Welcome to the Guys Who Like Movies podcast. I'm your host, Warren. We have here Buck and Aaron. And today, on this episode, we're going to talk about our top five movies. Yeah. So if you guys want to introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Aaron Moore. Um, I'm very big on movies. Uh, I'm here to learn a lot more about movies. So I've, I've worked with these guys before, and they're very knowledgeable. I'm very happy to be here. Also, uh, artists, I do a lot of producing, writing, and uh, performing, so. My name is uh, Buck John. Um, movies is a big part of my life. It helps me uh, you know, get away from society and uh, just enjoy myself, you know? So uh, I thought this podcast was a good idea, and hopefully you like what I have to hear. Today we're gonna talk about our top five movies of all time. All right, so top five movies, right? Of all time? Um, you can just start with, yeah, start with one and we'll just, just kind of flip okay. in there. So, of course, one of them would have to be uh, Predator. Predator, okay. Uh, by John McTiernan. Uh-huh. Um, I was a big Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. Uh, the way that movie was directed, uh, the acting, the explosions, the... Uh, uh, Get down! <laughs> just, just the overall execution, the storytelling. Um, that really did it for me, you know. Back in the 80s, it was all explosions and, and, and shooting and everything. So when you add creatures, shooting, explosions, Arnold Schwarzenegger back in his heyday, to go along with a lot of other characters in uh, um, uh, Billy Duke, you had Carl Weathers, you had uh, Jesse Ventura, and you also had... Uh, Shane Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, those guys all together, they, that was one of my top movies growing up. That's a good pick as far as uh, like depicting what the 80s was like. Yeah. Like you could really feel yeah. what they were going for during that time and trying to make blockbuster movies and stuff. So that's a real good pick. I like them. Like it's also it's a good film about like deception and, and things like that. We're just talking about, you know, going on a mission. It's still relevant to today. Right, right. So that's that was a good pick. Number one for me, I mean, this is not in any okay. order, but uh, A Clockwork Orange, uh, director Stanley Kubrick, um, lead actor Malcolm, uh, Malcolm McDowell. <clears throat> he was a, uh, the the film, I like, I like the psychological film and how it, actually takes it takes place basically with a, per, a person that had mentally ill kind yeah of he was an yeah, ass he was yeah, mentally ill yeah he was he a was deviant, a, yes yeah. and he all these things he did a, a series of events that ended up leaving him in jail mm-hmm. then he ends up getting cured mm-hmm. by this you know experiment yes, that yes. they try to do and basically he goes through the same cycle of things he had to bump to the same people that he fucked over pretty much yeah and he didn't have the ability to defend himself so it was kind of weird and the things that he loved ended up being the things that made him sick made him try to commit suicide it was like very weird and you so, know yeah kind of like a tragedy in reverse yeah and then his attempt at suicide kind of fixed his kind mind back to, how to being was. back to yeah, it. and then uh, the people always talk about the secret chapter, and right? Right, like that. so, so a it's very, a very interesting movie. Um, every time I watch it, I find something new in it. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, you know, and Stanley's just just out of curiosity, did you ever watch Train Spotting? No, okay, because that movie to me, like I'm watching Train Spotting, I'm like, this is a Clockwork Orange. Oh, like, it, was that before a Clockwork this Orange? This was in the 90s with, this was Ewan McGregor's first film. Oh, okay. Like, first major film. Right. 
And it's like you take the drugs of the milk and you replace it with heroin. Yeah. It's like the same because it's the same thing. Like he goes through like a torture sequence because he's going through withdrawals. I'm like, this is a clockwork orange. Like, what the heck is this? So. Oh, that's interesting. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that's something we can we can definitely take a look at um, in the future. For me, one of the movies I like is called The Diabolique from 1955, directed by Henry George Clouseau. Basically, without getting anything away. There's a guy, he's like a principal, mm-hmm. and he's having it. He has a wife, but he's also having an affair with the teacher. Oh, wow. And the wife and the teacher find out about it, and they decide to kill him. Okay. Right? So this is 1955. They kill him. They're trying to get rid of the body. Right. Somehow in the middle of trying to get rid of the body, the body goes missing. Oh, wow. And <laughs> they don't know where it is, and they're just trying to like live their life. And certain people say certain things. Where is he? And da da da. And it just kind of escalates from there. It's the movie Hitchcock wanted to make before Psycho, mm. and he didn't get the right. I would say this sound. That sounds Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it stands up very well. It's something that can be relevant to today. It's something I can see happening in society. Yeah. So it's a very suspenseful thriller without you know all the. Distractions and stuff, but yeah. it's pretty well done. Sound like something they're gonna remake, probably. <laughs> probably, yes. How about you, Buck? Okay, um, I'm gonna go ahead and choose out of Clint Eastwood catalog. Okay, so this is 1977, the year mm-hmm. they came out. The movie's called The Gauntlet. Oh, yeah, the Gauntlet. so basically, The Gauntlet is you have Clint Eastwood plays a washed up detective, right? Mm-hmm. And he has to go to from Arizona, he has to go to yeah. Vegas to pick up a uh, a transfer. Mm-hmm. So this transfer has to go from Arizona to uh, Vegas. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't realize that it's not just a small job. It's like life and death. Okay. So he goes over to Vegas. Yeah. Picks up what he thought was just a regular person. Just a regular, you know, mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. Uh, job. And he ends up being mobs involved. Mm-hmm. Co- crooked cops. Uh-huh. So you have him. You have Ned, ba- uh, uh, Ned Beatty. You have... There's not very many top end actors in that uh-huh. one, but just the suspense, it, the action. It's like it feels like an '80s movie. Okay. Like all the explosions, the action, the uh, um, backstabbing. Okay. And just between him and the uh, the main actress going back and forth. I mean, if you have to, if I had to pick a Clint Eastwood movie, that would be it. Okay. Very cool. Nice. It kind of sounds like, in a weird way, like a straight version of. You ever seen Me Myself and Irene? Yeah. Like that's, I don't know why that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> yeah, I see. But um, no, that's cool. Like uh, sort of, uh, you know, Eastwood in the '70s is like that. Like Iger sanctioned things like that were just a lot of crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, that's cool. But what really put the movie over the top <clears throat> was the ending. Yeah. You guys ever seen it? The Gauntlet? No, I haven't. I always wanted to. Like I've seen the poster. Yeah. I've seen the. That's phenomenal. so basically. He 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 knows it's a, it's it's a, a death sentence going to Vegas, right? Because the cops are on him; they yeah. want him dead. The, the commissioner of the police is actually in on it, and him uh-huh. and his cops. Uh-huh. The mob's in on it; uh-huh. they want him dead. Yeah. So he goes through, uh, uh, he goes through Vegas. I mean, he goes through uh, back to Arizona. Yeah. Through Main Street in a bus, uh-huh. and everyone going down the whole street, everyone shooting at him. So he, you know, he finally makes it to the courthouse because the lady has to. He has, she has to um, uh, testify yeah. at this at this uh, um, and it ha- has to do with the mob. Okay. And this lady was actually a uh, 
a hooker or a prostitute or a, a high-end one. Okay. And and so she was involved in it, but it uh, deceit, um, treachery. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in the movie. I don't want to give it away if anyone hasn't seen it. Yeah. But um, if you like Clint Eastwood, it's one you should definitely take a look That's at. What I'll check out definitely. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, number two, I'm gonna go with The Shining. Again, another Stanley Kubrick. I'm very big on him, obviously. Um, lead actor. Uh, Jack Nicholson uh, playing uh, Jack Torrance and um, what I really like about this movie is it's 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 a mindfuck so basically it's this writer he has to go he he goes out with his family to um, what's what's the name of that um, the Overlook Hotel yeah the, the yeah, yeah. Overlook Hotel and um, and he does this so he could start writing this book and uh, it's very isolated um, he's the only person there with his family and they got all the resources to eat and everything like that but he ends up kind of losing his mind going through writer's block and all these things and it's a lot of weird symbolism messaging and all this other types it's a like the surface of this movie is it doesn't even tell the story you got to really dig into this movie pick into the layers and you'll you'll start to find out a whole bunch of stuff it kind of seems like this is like him reliving something he's already been through before and the ending is so weird it's like he's already in a picture from uh, you know like the 1920s well, no, yeah. that movie has that you ever seen like old pictures of like Rothschild parties yeah it's yeah. got that Rothschild weirdo aesthetic yeah even with the the weird thing with the dog I don't want to give it away but the weird thing with the dog like right straight they always do weird stuff like that yeah and then I mean when you when you really do your research on things, you got to look at the relationship between the Jack and his son. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, molestation kind of things going on. Then there's like abuse, you know, obviously with the family. Um, it just seemed like there was, there's like, if you really listen to the words, there's just a lot of hints and like Easter eggs of things that you're looking at. You're like, wow, this is a really dark, psychological movie has this dude been here before is this like a reimagining and like even like the overlook hotel was built on the indian burial ground so there's supposed to be all this creepy things so it's a it's a lot to this movie it's yeah. heavy it's heavy it's heavier than it looks so uh that's my number two and uh yeah i'm sticking to that <laughs> Pretty cool. For, is a eyes wide shot on that list, or oh no, no, because I, I, I wanted to cut it down because uh, okay. I would have had pretty okay. much all stands. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no, nah, because like I was watching that the other day and just all that music, oh, yeah. all that whole vibe uh, is such a shining vibe. Man, man. <laughs> but but it's made that eyes wide shut is yeah. made like a Clockwork Orange where yeah. he's going through these cycles of things and he he goes back through yeah. them over again, yeah, like yeah, in, yeah. in the same chronological order, yeah, and. But it's like a different outcome. He's looking at things different after that night going to that party. It's just, yeah, I'm going off on a tangent. But, but it's, it's so weird, though, because like it was based on like a short story, but then it ends up becoming something else. And you're like, what yeah. is... It's, it's, that's Stanley's life story. But I, I just wonder, like, because I know like Tom Cruise said he wanted to be like celibate or something, and maybe that was the only way Nicole Kidman could be intimate <laughs> with him. Maybe. maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. <clears throat> so, my second movie is going to be Wait Until Dark, uh, 1967, directed nice. by Terrence Young. Audrey Hepburn plays a blind woman. She like lives by herself in an apartment, and there is like a weird mix-up where like her neighbor 
gets a doll that was like switched in customs mm. and it turns out her doll is actually filled with heroin oh, and, and Audrey Hepper somehow gets in possession of the doll she like left it out the house yeah. so now you have this crazy dude trying to like break into her house with this blind woman wow. trying to steal this heroin <laughs> again it's one of those things like like you can it's very suspenseful and right. all the little things all the little beats it, it goes really well with uh, I definitely check it out oh dope man yeah, I got. I got to see that. You guys got to give me a list after so I can check <laughs> yes. these movies out. All right, Buck, what are we doing? Oh, next movie. Yeah. Okay, I like to go with. Uh, I'm a very, very big fan of Tony Scott, the director, mm-hmm. and so I like to pick from one of his lists. Uh, the Last Boy Scout. Um, I saw this as a kid. Didn't know the name of the movie, um, and got it on DVD. Man, it's one of these movies that when I say top five movies, I like to think of it as movies you just doesn't matter. You just turn it in, put it on, rewatch it as many times as you want. You know, it's, yeah. it's always fresh. Yeah. It's, uh, you never get bored. So last Boy Scouts. So basically you have uh, Bruce Willis from Die Hard, mm-hmm. and you have Damon Wayans. You have uh, a very young, um, good-looking um, Halle Berry. She's still good-looking, but yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like I mean, she plays, she plays a stripper in that movie, you know? So yeah, you can't yeah, really, yeah, yeah, but, I mean, if you want to watch still... Halle Berry movie, yeah, and she's yeah, in the first yeah, part yeah, of the movie. Yeah, say, uh... um, yeah, so basically you have Bruce Willis who plays a, uh, a PI who's like a washed out, right? Yeah, he's he's yeah, washed yeah. up. He has a wife who he, you know, he doesn't like anymore. Well, he has a kid who... On him and, yeah. is, he, has a, she has, he has a kid that always, you know, ragging on him, right? Yeah. And so you have a uh, former... He's a former uh, Secret Service agent, right? Yeah. Save the president, all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And then you have Damon Wayans who's like a former he was a quarterback right who, mm-hmm. who also washed out from you know drugs and abuse and all that stuff mm-hmm. so these two guys have great chemistry you know I know this uh, at the time this screen this screenplay was actually the highest you know bought screenplay yeah, you know, it cost, one, of the, one yeah. of the famous Shane Black ones yes. yeah 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 mm-hmm. I mean Shane Black he does a lot of great stuff so mm-hmm. him in with this movie it turned out very well um, Tony Stock Tony Scott was a he's a great director he, yes um, very good storyteller. I mean, you have Top Gun on his list, Beverly Hills Cop 2, Last Boy Scout, Days of Thunder, Revenge. So Last Boy Scout is where you have Bruce Willis. He gets entrenched into this, uh, like, this underground. And he has to protect Halle Berry, right? He was given this from a different PI. So she ends up, you know, I don't want to say what happens to her, but he gets embroiled into this... Um, this, uh, you know, football and drugs and, and betting, you know? Yeah. So you have, like, senators involved. You have the owner of the, the, the L.A. Stallions, like, a, you know, make-believe team. Mm-hmm. And so basically you have, you know, explosions, gunfire, a lot of cursing, but it's really funny. Mm-hmm. And just a great chemistry between Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis. So it's, it's one hell of a ride from beginning to end. Great ending, you know. A lot of stuff gets resolved at the end. It's pretty funny. So if anyone likes Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans, the director Tony Scott, this is one of the movies you have to check out. That's a great cast. That sounds like a great cast. You also get to see Bruce Willis do a jig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the end. All right, very cool. All right, so me, um, number three, and I can't wait to do this, like, review for real. Okay. Reservoir Dogs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait to it. Directed by Quentin Tarantino. Lead character uh, Tim Roth as uh, uh, Mr. Orange. Um, I really, really love this movie. I liked it. You could tell that because this is the weird thing about directors. You could tell when they had their first film, right? Yeah. Because the budget 
Yeah. What what they do with that budget? Yeah. After that, if it if they knock it out the park, the second one is like you can see they just dumped the money in. Mm-hmm. So you can see the difference in quality with that it's to like pulp fiction. Yeah. But it's so raw. It's like basically in one place like the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this is a movie about a bunch of guys that uh, get assembled to do a, a robbery and. The robbery goes bad because one of the guys is a undercover cop, uh, Mr. Orange. And, I mean, I don't want to give the movie away too much, but they go through everybody's background very thoroughly. Um, every character, you're, you're wondering, like, what, what happened? What went wrong? Like, if you watch this for the first time, you're, like, really on the edge of your seat. Like, what's going on? What's, how did, you know, how did they get this wrong? Who's the, who's the rat? And then when you finally see it, you see how this guy like develops himself into being one of these dudes for real and even getting to the heart of one of the most intimidating people on the movie as like being his main defender (laughs) and pretty much like taking it to his death. But there's like a heartbreak to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's like like it's very. Yeah. It's a very sad because he actually finds out. Ah, I don't like because he, he seems so sad about it near the end. Yeah, it's such he, a and it was like the the way he felt was like I betrayed I, I betrayed everybody in this crew for this for dude. You. So yeah. I might as well go out on the blaze of glory too. Yeah, like forget it. You're gonna go out. I'm gonna go out with you. That's one of those great like uh, ambiguous endings. Yeah, one of the big things with Reservoir Dogs when I first saw it is that I got Heat and Reservoir Dogs mixed up. Yeah, so I was expecting yeah. a shootout and it never happened. <laughs> yeah. What was the shootout? Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's phenomenal. And I like the I like the standoff at the end. It's just mm-hmm. very intense. Yes. And man, it's a it's a shame that Chris Penn ended up dying a oh, little after that because I think he would have been bigger than Chris. Sean. I'm still trying to find that PSA. You ever see the one where Chris Penn stops kids from running in the street? No. Did you ever watch? Like there was a, a PSA, like a public service announcement, where these kids are running in the street and Chris Penn stops them. Yeah. And he's like, "You guys got to stop running." In the street. I've been looking for it forever, but <laughs> I can't find it. I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, it better pop up somewhere. <laughs> But yeah, that is a great movie. I can't mm. wait to debate on that when we have a full <laughs> episode. Because uh, Buck, did you have any opinions on Reservoir Dogs? Nah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just give him a short one because we'll do a full episode. All right, so I, I have seen this movie, right? Yes. So the first time I saw this movie, I know Quentin Tino, right? So yes. I, first time I watched this movie, I watched it with my mom, right? And yeah. And her boyfriend. Okay. And my okay, mom's that not might have affected it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And my mom's not being in the blood, right? Oh, okay. And of course, the end is very bloody. And she's like, yeah. "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!" Oh yeah. Wrong person. Um, <laughs> so if you like storytelling, you like a lot of a conversation, you like this movie, Reservoir Dogs. Um, you have to have the attention span to kind of watch it. I mean, it is... I'm more into the movies of, like, explosions and not much in the I just, storytelling. I just remember the first time you talked about Reservoir Dogs, you're like, oh, they talk too much. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's, it's a great movie, but yeah. it doesn't feel like a movie that, you know... Uh, uh, that to today's society would kind of like. Okay. It's an old school kind of feel to it, where like, okay. you know, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, is more, you know, a lot of talking, a lot of storytelling, a lot of character development. In your, def- in your defense, I would say that Quentin Tarantino's style, period, if you watch any of his movies, it's a lot of dialogue yeah. all the time. You got to expect that. So yeah. if you like that style, it gets gory. He, he has a lot of action, but he likes to separate those. They don't come clashing at the same time. Like, I would never recommend Death Proof, then, if oh, that's the oh, case. <laughs> one of my favorites. But, yeah, that, 
and that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of just, talking, oh, and then it, and it is right. But when it you just, the build up is perfect. Yeah. It's like you wait all that time, and then it's like that scene. It's mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. or when the action start coming, it just comes. But it did kind of like I've never met somebody like that who's like really in his eye. I don't know. Like that was kind of weird when I first saw it. Well, on which one? When Death Proof was like, "Hey, Scientology, can you read?" It's like, really, people talk like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. It, so, but oh man, I fell in love with Death Proof. Yeah, too. yeah, it's a good movie. Just yeah, it's um, it is it's, it's a inquiry taste. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, <clears throat> so my next pick is uh, something Buck and I have been talking about: Hard Boiled by John Woo back in like 1992. Okay. Basically, if you've ever seen a movie where the guys have the two guns pointing out, that was them doing Hard Boiled. Basically. Okay, okay. So it's there's a very famous scene. You know, it's it's kind of a most Hong Kong movies are like it, where there's a cop and there's a guy who's an undercover cop, kind of similar, like Reservoir Dogs with yeah. City on Fire. Yeah. So Hard Boiled is Chow Young Fat. And he's a cop trying to stop some stuff, and there's, you know, informants and all these other things going on. And there's this huge scene where he has the two guns pointed out, and he's mm-hmm. in, like, a like a bird, uh, some bird tea house sanctuary thing. Oh, wow. And he's shooting everybody. <laughs> well, because John Woo does a thing with the birds. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yesterday I saw the movie Stuber, and they're, they're mm-hmm. at the, they're at, there's a scene where they're at the pet hospital. Yeah. And there's yeah. a scene with the birds. I'm like, oh, that's a John Woo homage. I, I seen, I was looking up, like, uh, things about him, and actually... That is like a little. That's something he does often. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's something with he has like an obsession with birds. I something. think it's part of because it's part of his faith as, as being a Christian. He thinks that means something uh, like it's the juxtaposition of peace and violence or something. Okay, okay. Like it's here's the thing. It's cool when it's in hard boiled because it's like a, a tea house and they, but when it's in face off and it's yeah, random, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I don't. What is he doing? You know what I mean? But or I wonder if that's like. You know how they like they say birds sense when certain things are about to happen. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's like some type of symbolism. Maybe like something, know. but um, might be digging deep. But, but <laughs> I think hard boiled to me. That's I think it's like the, the pinnacle of action. Nice. If you don't like Reservoir Dogs because of yeah. dialogue, you watch Hard Boiled. Okay. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I mean. Okay. You might have some subtitles, but um, that works really well. Dope. Dope. All right, moving on, Buck. All right, so my fourth pick. I just watched this last night, to tell you the truth. Uh-oh. I'm a big fan of F. Gary Gray. Oh, nice. Um, director of Friday, mm-hmm. he did a Man Apart, Italian Job, uh, Law Abiding Citizen, Straight Outta Compton. Mm-hmm. He did the new Men in Black International movie. Uh-huh. So I don't pull from one of his movies. Uh, it's called okay. Man Apart. Okay. You look, you got uh, Vin Apart. Diesel, yeah. Lorenz Tate. Um, those are basically the two, the two main actors. I mean, you uh-huh. also got Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. I'm not, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, that's good. So basically, a man apart is the kind of the, the dirty part of uh, you know policing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so basically you have Vinicio playing a DEA agent. Mm-hmm. These guys don't look like cops. They look like you know hoodlums. Uh, they look like um, gangbangers. You know, they look like they fit into society in the hood, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to look like that so you can get the yeah, bad guys, right? right? Mm-hmm. So basically, you have Vinicio and his buddy Lorenz Tate. Mm-hmm. Um, these two guys. Got great chemistry. They uh, feed off each other throughout the whole movie. They always feel like brothers, you know. They mm-hmm. grew up together in the hood. And so basically you have Vin Diesel who takes <coughs> down a big-time drug lord in, uh, in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so there's repercussions when you deal with the cartel, right? Right. So they end up killing his wife. Mm-hmm. He ends up being in a coma from being shot, takes, takes <coughs> out the intruders. So basically it's him trying to live his life without his wife throughout the whole movie. And so the only one he can really lean on is his best friend who's actor is Lorenz Tate and so the only kind of sense of uh, feeling he can get 
it's like rage, you know, and uh, vendetta kind of thing going after the drug cart. Whoever's in charge of this new cartel. Because yeah. the guy he, he put away, he didn't think that he was the one that killed his wife. Yeah. And so he goes ahead, takes what he think it was the head of the, uh, this organization out. They realized all along that it was a guy that he put away, helped get released. Mm-hmm. And so the only kind of releasing kind of get is putting this guy away. So yeah. he ends up doing that. And then he kind of, you know, he's in recovery mode. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of ends on a good note. But this director, um, he has some great movies. Man Apart is kind of one where you can just watch over and over again. If you're a Vin Diesel fan and um, you like Riddick and... Um, Fast and Furious. A Man Apart is a great movie. Um, yeah. So check it out. And not to cut you off. I heard that A Man Apart was good and I was very scared because I'm not a Vin Diesel fan, but everybody keeps saying that like this might be like his one where his he best was, one. Yeah, where he'll like I mean, kind of switch. And, really? and I guess okay. like how he said the chemistry between him and Lawrence Tate. Mm-hmm. I like Lawrence Tate a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess their chemistry actually showed on film a really? lot. Which okay. surprises me because they okay. make so their movies are so different. different. Yeah, they're yeah. so far apart, but to come together, like Buck is saying, that I I would like to see it now. That's pretty cool. Vin Diesel's <clears throat> not really known for his acting chops. He's yeah, more he's of more action. Uh, action, right? Mm-hmm. But this does have action, but it's more character development, right? It's all about him kind of, you know, trying to get over the loss of his wife. So it's really like acting, mm-hmm. and so it's one of those roles where. It's not, you know, trying to be like the the head honcho in the hood, right? And like uh, Fast and Furious. It's mm-hmm. not him being like a badass and mm-hmm. Riddick, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just about him trying to live his life day by day, you know. And uh, it, it's once you, anyone who likes Vin Diesel should check out. Nice. But I also think he wants to be taken more seriously as an actor. Yeah, that's so. That's that's what I was going to, towards. Yeah. Like, I would like to, if I see this and I like it, then mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, why did he not stay going that way well, cause I think but the money's that the, of the yeah, other way right but it's like when you want a claim yeah. like this has always been my thing about Stallone versus Schwarzenegger right is that Stallone Rocky went to the Oscars yeah and it won best that was the first one he did yeah he got a taste and he always wanted to get a little taste back mm-hmm. but he also wanted to defeat Arnold right and so I think like... he was always that's why he did weird things with like Dolly Parton you're like what is this yeah, yeah. and this was his version of oh I thought this was gonna get me something right right whereas Arnold just kept going knowing who he was yeah and it's a very it's a very interesting thing to sort of compare and contrast because I, I do see it with Vin Diesel I do see it with Dwayne Johnson I'm about to say The Rock kind of gives me those vibes yeah because yeah. I think <clears throat> Dwayne saw Arnold run for governor and I think Dwayne wants to do something like that yeah but oh he's love like he could do that but the movies he picks are thinking about that and it I yeah, think it, it suffers it, yeah it tarnishes his whereas his you know, filmography you can, yeah because yeah, you're never going to see like a, a Dwayne Johnson version of True Lies or something like right, that you right, know what I mean right so which I, I love to see. I think he could do it. You know, because they, you know, they have all these other different motivations, and I think the film picks. Because sometimes it's just a matter of picking the right thing. Right. Right. You know, and I think that's something. Um, you know, both of them are trying to figure out. Yeah. So dope pick, dope pick, uh, mm-hmm. but, um So my number four is uh, Fight Club by David Fincher. Uh, the two lead characters are Edward Norton as, and I was looking this up because. It kind of yeah, messed me up when yeah, I really yeah, when yeah. I really was looking at. It, I'm like, what was his name? Yeah, name? and it's, yeah. he never really had a name, so he's the narrator. The narrator, and he's also, alert. <laughs> and Brad Pitt is Tyler Durden, but 
Is Sport. it? <laughs> yeah. So, this is a movie about um, a schizophrenic, uh, you know. So, he basically, he had a insomnia. sleep. Yeah, insomnia yeah. or whatever. And uh, it was hard for him to, of course, go to sleep and everything like that. He was trying to find ways to go to sleep. He was a workaholic. He was a very neat guy, very uh, organized hated his life though type person um dealt in a a weird um career with like i think it was with the ex like well it was was self-hatred yeah because he was lying to people essentially to keep the cost down about cars yeah and uh that ended up it ended up getting to the point where he couldn't fall asleep at all so he ended up going to a lot of these uh uh basically like support groups yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so he would go to you know anything for like cancer support groups uh, basically a lot of cancer support mm-hmm. groups just yes. different type of cancer support mm-hmm. groups and um, it was helping him fall asleep because he would get a lot of emotion out you, mm-hmm. you know and it ended up being <laughs> this woman that was basically doing the same thing he was mm-hmm. lying in these support groups going to him to get something out of it mm-hmm. he it, it start messing with his sleep, start and you know uh, the insomnia start coming back, and he literally crashes into because <laughs> there's like a plane crash scene that happens where it, when he snaps out of it, I don't want to give up, give it up, but the character of Brad Pitt shows up, being his uh, partner, uh, his uh, next to him in the seat, and. Uh, they just had a very deep conversation, and one thing led to another. He ended up going to his house. His house ended up blowing up, but he, the only person he could call ended up being the guy that he met in, in, on the plane. And they eventually meet up, uh, make, a, make a friendship, but it kind of gets violent. Yeah. <laughs> and the violence... Turns well, into something. Yeah, it, turns, it actually turns the narrator on. He likes it a lot, so they it builds because people start seeing him fight this guy, and all these other people kind of have the same type of depression or whatever. So it was attracting a certain type of group where they ended up making a club, an underground fight club, and um, you know just a lot of secrecy, secret society type thing. Um, and it just went out, it went out of control, spiraled out of control, and. It, it got to the point where the narrator's mind was playing tricks on him, pretty much. But I love the story where the, the, the novelist who yeah. talked about Fight Club, uh, Paliuk, he said, like, I guess he got, he fell down or something at his house, mm-hmm. and then he went to work the next day at a huge black guy. Oh, that's how yeah, he came up with no, it. But nobody said anything. <laughs> and that's what, and I'm thinking about, if I if that ever happened to me, if I went to work with a black guy, Dude, everybody's saying everybody, everything. Everybody. Oh, my God. You already know. <laughs> I would hate for y'all to go to work. <laughs> like, I, can't, I can't go to work. I, I don't want to have to ask a question. For real. There'll be so many side conversations all day long. All day long. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I love I love this movie. I love the... Uh, the only thing about movies like this is that they're really good the first and second time. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of around the third time, you're mm-hmm. watching it just because you enjoy it, but mm-hmm. the wow factor is gone. Yeah. So, like, 
the first time I watched it, it's like at the end, you're like, oh shit. Uh-huh. And then the second time you're watching it, you're watching it to see yeah. what was those things yeah. that, you know, yeah. why was he acting like this? What did this, how could this be real? Would this, but would, would this scene work? It is an interesting meditation on what happens when somebody gets what they're striving for in life. Yeah, yeah. And they run out of things to do. Right. Um, and you see that all of that really didn't matter to him. He'd rather yeah. have been in a shithole yeah. than to have been in that nice... Well, apartment. because if you say, oh, man, if I just had X, Y, and Z, I would be happy. Yeah, but then you get X, Y, and Z, and you're still not happy. Right. Because those... It, it really show you the material things, ain't it? Yeah. And, the, and maybe the person that you running away from the mm-hmm. most is probably the person mm-hmm. you actually love the most. Because mm-hmm. it was kind of weird, the... Mm-hmm. the the relationship he had with uh, the girl, well, I forget her name on the movie. Um, Johnny Depp's wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, her crazy. <laughs> but she, but she, that their their relationship was something that he was trying to avoid, and then at the end, I think he ended up realizing that that was somebody he kind of should have embraced. Yeah. And then he probably wouldn't have been in that. Yes. Because they needed them. They needed each other in that weird way. But I, I know. Oh, is it a Helena Bonham yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Helena, yes. Yeah. Johnny Depp's yes. <laughs> yes. wife and all the Tim Burton's wife. <laughs> Johnny Depp's wife and all the Tim Burton movies. There yeah. we go. Okay. Thank you, Buck. No, because <laughs> um, my fart. Because a good a good thing. I don't know why, but you ever seen American Psycho? Yeah, of course. Like I feel like that is a movie to compare it with Fight Club. Oh yeah, it yeah, seems yeah. very like the guy yeah. gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. Is he Still. crazy? Is he not crazy? Right. So it's very similar. And, I, and the only thing I could say, too, that keeps me watching, too, though, mm-hmm. is even though the end ends a certain way, mm-hmm. it's like, I kind of, you always wonder what he was going to progress and do. Yeah. Because it's like, he has to keep a little bit of Tyler in him, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to be that guy because uh-huh. he'll be miserable. Uh-huh. So just take certain things that you like from Tyler and kind of uh-huh. run with that. But don't over mm-hmm. abuse it. It was like he was, you know, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Like it was yeah, like yeah. two completely different personalities inside of him. If he could just blend, it, it's kind of like you know, in the Avengers, how mm-hmm. like now they got uh, Bruce Banner. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's like he he knew how to yeah, tame yeah, that whole. Yeah, but he was in between both. Like, yeah, he he needs that. So mm-hmm. you always think like, what if? It's like mm-hmm. oh, what if? Mm-hmm. Type of ending, like what is he going to do now? How but is it? It is interesting the self-loathing. This guy is a cooler me. And yeah, da, 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 da. yeah. And, it's, and it's like that's you. <laughs> like you love you. <laughs> yeah, you're very fans talking about you. But yeah, but yeah, it's very because well, he did the. Here's the thing about Fight Club is that it kind of annoyed me when I first watched it. Yeah, because he's like we we don't have any wars. We don't have any economic depressions. We don't have anything to unite us. And I was watching this during the recession right. in a post nine eleven world. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, a lot of you do. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> for real. Yeah, that's 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 funny. That's a good. So point. I mean, it is. But I think you know the, the things that it meditates on. Mill Bond. Like, did you ever read the novel? No. Because there's there's certain parts about the novel I still think about. Okay. Like he complains about his father. He said, "Oh, my father left to start another franchise," meaning like he left to go uh, have another woman and yeah. have another kid. Like it, there's the way he saw things. Even that was corporate. Yeah. And it was him trying to deal with corporate culture. So mm, that, it, it, there, there there are interesting elements that's because. Deep. 
in the novel, they just at the end they just spoiler alert they just go destroy galleries of art. Yeah. Whereas in the movies they destroy credit card companies. And yeah. Some people watch it going, well, I don't. What's what's the problem? I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> and but I was looking at and not to like stretch this out because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna let you go. Mm-hmm. But I wanted what I wanted to ask this when mm-hmm. that. Because they were trying to basically cut down debt, right? Like they were trying to blow those things up yes. and basically everybody have like a fresh start yes. with, with uh, their debts. But that, that would have carried somewhere else, right? That was just, it was that would like have a caused some type of economic, you know, if, if people owe you money and it doesn't matter anymore, that's going to cause some problem somewhere, you know what right. I mean? Right. So I think it probably would cause some problems. I do think. Like, I get it. Like, maybe if it wasn't, I don't know, does it have to be one credit card company? It can't be. Because, you know yeah, what I mean? There's but that's people, why, yeah, that's yeah. why he ended up, because it was basically all the main yeah. big companies in the in America yeah. that, yeah, that I they mean, tore down the building of. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, it's a lot to it. That's another one with a lot to it. That's, yeah, something to look into. I don't I don't know what would actually happen if he did destroy the uh, the credit card companies. After Hard Boiled is Shock Corridor. Oh, 1963, Samuel Fuller. This movie mm-hmm. is amazing. This is like a Criterion collection. It's kind of snobby, but it's interesting. Right. So this guy goes in. There's a murder at a mental hospital. Okay. A journalist guy goes in undercover, trying to figure out who killed this guy. And one of the things about him going undercover is that he feeds into all the mental patients' problems. Yeah. Like all their delusions, he feeds into it to figure out what's going on. But every person's problem in the mental hospital was a... It was like a metaphor for what was going on in the 60s. Mm. So he had one. He pretended to be crazy. He had a guy who thought he was like a Southern Civil War general guy. Right. And he talked to him. He's like, oh, General, sir, huh? the, the Yankees are coming. Da, da, da. And he tried to get clues. But then like later on, the guy who like breaks character as a crazy Civil War general, he goes, you know, when they said I was a communist, I could never get my act together. Da, da, da. That's why he went crazy. Mm. Is that he was accused of being a communist. And then he went insane as, okay, this is the person you want me to be. This is who I'll be. Right. And then you have another one, this guy, um, he's like, he's black, but he's like a, like a, he thinks he's like a racist guy. Yeah. And he was trying to like, feed, try to figure out clues about him. But the, his whole thing was that he was in an interracial relationship mm. and he just went crazy. He was like the first Clayton Bigsby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It was, it was very, there's a, there's one scene where. You know, he's black and he's getting all these mental patients to, like, be racist. Right. And he is a black man points at a janitor. goes, attack him. And they all chase him. And it just shows the absurdity of it all. Right. So every every single mental patient was, like, a metaphor. Right. right. And the last one was there was this uh, guy who was a nuclear physicist. Mm. And he had these atom bombs that, like, killed people or whatever. And he just lost his mind. He's like a child. So the journalist is like trying to be with a child, like acting like he's a child, trying to help him because right. he's trying to figure out, okay, who really killed this guy? And that was another one of those things where every, you know, it, was, it was pretty interesting because, yeah. I mean, he said a lot about society in a very intricate way, but then, you know, some other things happen. You find out that the reason why this guy in the mental hospital got killed is because he knew some things and there's a reason he's looking for things that shouldn't be found. So it's a very interesting sort of miss. It, I, I definitely recommend it. I don't want to give anything. Yeah, that's, that sounds sounds great. Sounds mm-hmm. dope. All right. All right. So number five on my list, it's a movie called The Hard Way. Um, okay. It was directed by John Badham. 
Okay. He just missed my top five list of top five directors. Um, he has <coughs> Saturday Night Fever, Dracula, Blue Thunder, War Games, Short Circuit, Stakeout, Bird on a Wire, Point of No Return. Um, he, he's, he's a great director. Um, so the hard way, what you have is James Woods. He plays a, uh, a detective. You have uh, Michael J. Fox, um, who plays an actor who wants to be taken seriously. And so um, he does these roles that are kind of like... Uh, you know, done by Steven Spielberg or, or George Lucas, where they're like, you know, Indiana Jones type movies, you know, mm-hmm. where he saves the damsel in distress. Right. But he's not going to win an Oscar like that, mm-hmm. you know? So he wants to be taken seriously. So he sees James Woods um, uh, on the TV screen. He goes, he plays, a, since James Woods plays a detective, he's trying to catch this criminal. And so you see his kind of angst, no, takes no shit, you know, cursing mm-hmm. on TV kind of thing. We're not supposed mm-hmm. to curse. And so Michael, Michael J. Fox said, I want to shadow this guy. You know, I want to know mm-hmm. what it is to be a detective because mm-hmm. I want to land this role of this detective movie. Mm-hmm. We want to play a detective and he knows it could be an Oscar winning movie. You know, and um, it's fictional because this director is a big time director, like a uh, Michael Scorsese type director. Mm-hmm. And he wants, he wants this role so bad. So he shadows, Mike, uh, shadows uh, Jave, uh, James Woods for about two weeks, you know. Mm-hmm. And so James Woods is like partners. Okay. And so... Uh, he has to go undercover to be his partner, mm-hmm. and um, and so the uh, the man in charge, the uh, who's in charge when it comes to cops, like the lieutenant the or the, oh, the, ca- cha- the captain, captain, right? Okay. Yeah. So the captain is played by Delroy Lindo. Lindo. Um, one of the movies I see a lot with him in it is uh, Gone Sixty Seconds. He plays mm-hmm. the uh, the lead detective trying to go after uh, 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 Nicholas Cage, mm-hmm. and so he's a big fan of Michael J. Fox, right? So anything you want, I'll give it to you. Anything you want, right? Yeah. And so he caters to his needs. So Michael J. Fox goes around with James Woods, and um, you got LL Cool J in there. Um, he plays a detective. So his partner is Michael Guzman, mm-hmm. and he's funny. He's this funny Hispanic actor. Wait, when actor. was this movie made? This was made in 1991. Okay, 1991. And, okay. so, Mike, uh, um, and so Guzman was one of the lead actors in um, Crocodile Dundee 2. He okay. plays one of the side henchmen. Uh, and so basically you have um, James Woods trying to catch... You guys seen Avatar, right? Yeah. yeah. So the lead henchman or the, um, the villain in that movie... Um, played by uh, Stephen Lang. Mm-hmm. He plays this party crasher guy in the movie The Hard Way. So James Woods is trying to do everything he can to catch this guy. Mm-hmm. And so Stephen Lang, they call him the party crasher because um, he goes ahead and makes a phone call every time before he kills someone. Okay. And so these people that he kills are people that have done bad things, uh, like a pimp, uh, uh, a drug dealer, someone who in society should be locked away, right? Uh-huh. To, for, to uh, you know, make atonement for his crimes, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, like scum on the street kind of thing. Mm-hmm. People who and so Michael J. Fox is trying to be James Woods, yes. the the, uh, the cop. He try to learn his mannerisms and everything. James Woods not having anything of it, right? Yeah. So they go back and forth, hate yeah. each other. They hate each other's guts. But Michael J. Mm-hmm. Fox likes him. He wants to be him, you know? Yeah. And so at one point in the movie, James Woods thinks, like, what are you trying to do, steal my girlfriend kind of thing? Right. Oh, man. But from beginning to end, it's a great movie. You like comedy, if you like James Woods or Michael J. Fox. I mean, this is one of... I think Michael J. Fox like better movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when it comes to his acting ability, um, his expanding of his, I don't know, his uh, repertoire. Yeah, his repertoire. Yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah. seemed like he was making a movie about it. Yeah, so I mean, this is not a big time movie. Yeah. You have to kind of have uh, you know a lot of character uh, uh, knowledge, like a lot of um, acting knowledge, just to, mm-hmm. to play this character that Michael J. Fox is. But it's really funny. <clears throat> um, it's serious at, at times. And Michael J. Fox is just trying to be 
that actor that wins that Oscar be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny that Michael J. Fox wants to be taken seriously, even though all the movies he's done are like comedies. Like, yeah, it's like he's secret of my success. <laughs> I don't think he's ever seen a movie where he's actually played a serious role. Yeah. But it's kind of funny that it's like the opposite of what he does. I'm just sure, yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Even down to so, the TV shows, everything. Yeah, yeah he does. Been yeah, he's been more in the comedy side. Yeah, I think there was the one com- movie with like Sean Penn or something, but that was one. <laughs> it, was, it was an ensemble piece yeah. kind of thing. Okay. So that was, that was my top five. It was really hard to choose, but that was mine right there. Very cool. All right. So my last one is Donnie Darko oh, okay. uh, by Richard uh, Kelly. And the lead uh, character is Jake Gyllenhaal as Donnie Darko. Uh, so this movie is <laughs> it's so funny. It's so I, hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, the first time I watched it, I was like, 15 years old and mm. I was high and I was <laughs> and so we were sitting there like yeah. super confused mm-hmm. and I had to watch it like two more times mm-hmm. to like so I I really s- still can't explain this the right way mm-hmm. but it's basically about a troubled a troubled kid who uh, he has you could tell he has like a lot of darkness around him and he goes to sleep one night and basically one of the uh What's that? The jet, um, the, jet uh, engine. Yeah, jet one of the jet engine. engines end up crashing into the house, and uh, we don't know what happened. Yeah, that's the, uh, how it starts. Is we don't really know what happened. It kind of just yeah. crashed through his room, and mm-hmm. it could have been him that died, but mm-hmm. he ended up sleepwalking mm-hmm. and getting away from that house, uh, pretty much cheating death. And ever since then, there's just a bunch of series of events that just go kind of weird because. In actuality, it's all because he's still alive. And there's a whole bunch of stuff about time travel and these, like, he could see these, like, spears coming from people's, like, like soul, kind of, like, showing where they're supposed to be going before they actually go and all of these. It's, it's, it's very layered. Um, the whole Patrick Swayze subplot. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot of, yeah. Patrick Swayze is basically like a, a child. Well, well he's, like, he's a motivational speaker who <laughs> yeah. has some serious demons. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm not going to give it away. But yes, he's, yes. Yeah, he, he tricks the whole city into thinking he's well, something I mean, he's not. Because not only that, I've seen people who've done that. Like, you know the thing he does with their spear and then yeah. there's love? Like, I've seen people who've done that. Yeah. And, and, then, then, people, like, and then they get arrested. I'm like, wait a minute. What? Oh, oh my God. What's this based off? Dude, that's like regular, like, like church pastors, like black church pastor type thing. Like... Oh, you know, shame everybody, shame everybody, and then they're doing all this it's crazy something stuff. About, behind something us. about the temptation, man. Yeah. Just like it's, it's it's like this whole thing of being perceived as perfect uh-huh. always messes these dudes up. Yeah. I never trust the super perfect guys. Yeah, like, it, it's something wrong with that person. <laughs> that's Bill Cosby. Like it's all that. Wow. So he would, that, you know, that's that mm-hmm. type of character. That's basically what we're talking about. Isn't uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister in that movie? Yeah, too? and yeah. plays his sister. Yeah, plays his sister. That Maggie. Was, that was that was interesting. It was actually dope. And they had these weird like cuss out moments. At the, <laughs> at I mean, I don't think they had to do much studying on, on no, that, right? No, Growing no, up together, yeah, I think you know each yeah. other's tendencies. Well, and what I mean, if, if the characters are different, yeah, you know, and they're but, both like really kind of weird you can you like if you see them in other movies separated yeah it makes sense when they're together that they yeah. have this type of chemistry yeah and uh the way i like the 
I mean, oh, this is like I think Seth Rogen's like first appearance in the movie. It was one. It was like post Freaks and Geeks, but it was yeah. one of his. Like, yeah, a, he a, doesn't look a, like he looks like he's in middle school because yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's so uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, mm-hmm. yes. She plays the the main teacher. Um, it's a, it's a lot of good uh, good actors in there. Uh, um, it's a very this is one of those movies again i think i picked a lot of movies that i will watch like buck said over and over and over again a lot of trippy a lot of trippy tests yes (laughs) and you know try to figure out why and i try to watch these things and Mm -hmm. try to understand why did i like it yeah because yeah you know understand my like Mm -hmm. mental Mm -hmm. (laughs) space because well because the things one of the things i noticed it's like it's like a music key change like a key change in music yeah sometimes films do that to you right right right. and you feel it emotionally but you're like okay how did that happen yeah exactly and sometimes it's even the filmmakers like it was an accident it was just cool there was a problem that day and we were like let's just do this and it was amazing yeah and you see some filmmakers they try to redo it and it just never comes back right or it's just some some technique they got to do yeah because what you think you're getting and what you actually end up getting is really cool. Yeah. Because sometimes it can be like, better. You know what? <laughs> Everyone's expecting something. I'm gonna do something different, and then that sucks. Yeah. But to do what you're expecting and have it go to the next level, that's an amazing. Thing. Right. Right. Definitely. So I I love the tone of the movie, everything. Mm-hmm. So that's my five. Very cool. Very cool. Let's see. Oh, for my last one. I guess all of my movies. I'm I'm just trying to think of something in low budget terms. Something that no one notices right. like oh you didn't have that many resources <laughs> so <clears throat> my number one film was a uh, lifeboat by hitchcock <clears throat> basically nice. what happens is there, it's during world war ii mm-hmm. and the ship gets shot da- uh yeah this boat gets shot down and all the passengers have to get into a lifeboat okay. and w- they see this german guy from like the u-boat that they were fighting with whatever and they help him onto the lifeboat mm. And they're like, oh, we got to help them, da 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 da. But then, as as the movie goes on, they have a lot of issues with each other. Yeah. Being and surviving, and it's such a it's it's again it's one of those thriller kind of things. Yeah. Where you have to figure out what's going on, and it's you know a lot of pivotal character moments. Right. So that that was my number one. It was written by John Steinbeck. He used to write the screenplays and novels longhanded. Mm-hmm. And it was just, okay. I guess I guess something happens when you do that. Yeah. Because when you do the rewrites, you get the quality's higher. Because like I've been on film shoots where like you're either filming and they're editing at the same time, mm-hmm. and the movie it just there's like forty minutes of the film that could be cut out. Right, right. Like if you look at a movie like Predator, they like filmed like it halfway. They went to the editing room, stop. They stopped filming, went to the editing room, and they went, oh, we can do reshoots here, 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 here. I think the way they do things now, it might be effective. It might work for certain people, but yeah. I don't think big picture overall it works. Right. And I think the craftsmanship is is a pivotal thing. Right, though. I mean, I know a lot of day, a lot of times uh, th- these days, mm-hmm. the uh, the actor has a movie already set up. The next movie is already set up. Yeah. So they have like a, you know that window mm-hmm. where like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, I can't spend another two months on this movie because I have this movie coming up. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like you know, like Jaws had they had a lot of you know a lot of time. They had a lot of do a lot of reshoots. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Scarface. Yeah. A lot of these big movies that made a lot of money in the box office mm-hmm. went months over budget mm-hmm. um, I mean and these actors mm-hmm. fortunately they didn't have a movie set up they were to be in you know yeah and I was I was going to ask about that with timing and stuff like that because um, to me it seems like a lot of the at least like for and we'll get into top five uh, mm-hmm. on the next episode I believe mm-hmm. um, but the directors that I like 
they take a lot of time to make the movie. What like or they'll take a lot of time in between movies. Yeah. So I was wondering because like is a is a Michael because a Michael Bay makes more way more money than like a Tarantino, right? I'm a, yeah, I'm assuming yeah. That Especially with the Transformer <clears throat> movies. Mm-hmm. So, but he has the opportunity to do that. He just, but his it's the integrity. Type. Michael Bay is sorry about that. Is real yeah. big on explosions. So yeah. when you have a big money, big explosions, you know, like kitty type movies like the Transformers, you can bring your kids to. You have the mm-hmm. adults at. Mm-hmm. It's gonna make more money. Um, what were you gonna say? <clears throat> what I was gonna say, because um, Tarantino was offered Men in Black and he turned it down. Right. You know okay. what I mean. So he's like, no, 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 I want to direct things I write. That was his whole thing. Yeah. And he kind of made that choice to walk away from money. Mm-hmm. Woody Allen's another one where he he lives in an apartment. Yeah. And he just but he's made like fifty films his way. Right. And I don't think anybody. I mean, you could do that now, like just maybe have another job or something and do it, whatever. But like something like Kubrick. I don't think you can do anymore. Because that's what I was going to say. I was going to say that if Jordan Peele mm-hmm. had time to do what Stanley did, yeah. then he would be, he would go to a Stanley level, yeah. possibly. Because yeah. he just, he writes well, so good, and it's like, and he directs mm-hmm. so good, mm-hmm. but it's like, if he keep pumping these things out, they're going to lose some, because you could kind of start seeing, and we'll talk about movies like mm-hmm. Us and stuff like that. I loved it, but there's some, you could see some Laws and things where if he took a little more time with certain things like that, he it'd have been like masterpiece. But I think in his favor, Stanley Kubrick didn't really like Stanley always took a novel that already existed, that was already a bestseller. Whereas if you're a writer and you're the director and you have an idea of what a character is, and the actor in real life is a 180 completely, right? And just little things accumulating like that, Mm -hmm. it really can mess with you. So I will give Jordan Peele credit on that part because yeah, writing, like, I think M. Night Shyamalan trying to be like Spielberg was the dumbest thing in the world <laughs> yeah. because M. Night writes, right? Mm-hmm. Jaws was a novel, Jurassic Park was a novel. Right. There was no need for him to try to do something yeah. that difficult. Yeah, he messed it. He, he blew. He blew it. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we can we can talk about that more on our, our next episode. Yep. <laughs> Top five directors. All right. Um, anybody have any parting words? Yeah, uh, that's actually give out our handles for if you guys want to. We actually we have to come up with the Instagram and all that stuff, so okay. we'll get that together okay. soon. But okay. as for now, um, you can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Aaron X Kennedy. That's A A R O N X K E N N E D Y. That's on all socials. So uh, just follow me there, and I'll be promoting stuff there. Uh, we'll have a YouTube and everything set up. Uh, by the time it's come out so Buck you want to plug your uh, Instagram <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you just yeah so uh, my name's Buck John you can put that in on Instagram I think I'm still 200 pound Thor 200 pound <laughs> Thor even though I'm not even though I'm, even though I'm not 200 pounds anymore wait, is that 200 pound like P-O-U-N-D or uh, the L-B the L-B, the L-B. okay yeah. 200 L-B uh, Thor yeah and then okay. Facebook it's just my name uh, okay uh, what about you Warren uh, I've got to figure out my whole thing <laughs> but um yeah that's that's very good. We'll uh we'll get going on our next episode. Thank you very much everybody. Good night.